Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life, body, business, bank account, boys, and babies. Let's make it rain. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Princess and the Bee. I am so excited for this week's episode. While this is being recorded on a Tuesday, Women Crush Wednesday happens to be one of my favorite things because I am bringing on a phenomenal woman who I'm just, I'm so also proud to call her a family and a family friend. And she is the amazing Tori Hartman. She is a world-renowned Amazon number one best-selling author, spiritual teacher, intuitive soul, and psychic. She was born and raised in the very free-thinking atmosphere of New York's Greenwich Village in the 1960s, and she has been aware of her psychic abilities since the age of eight. After a near-death experience about 25 years ago, Tori began having a series of encounters with angels that revealed profound fables that were to become the basis of her Chakra Wisdom Oracle Cards and the Chakra Wisdom Oracle Toolkit. She is the founder of Life Purpose Divination, a system designed to shut down your brain and allow you to learn to live and completely trust your intuition. And she is now, and now the Life Purpose Divination License Training is now being facilitated around the world. Tori has been featured in the New York Times, the Los Angeles Business Bureau, uh, Los Angeles Business Journal, Ohm Time Magazine, and Allure. She has also worked with celebrities, including Jeff Lewis, whom she helped launch his hit TV show on Bravo, Flipping Out. Oh my goodness, Tori, welcome! <laughs> I'm just tired from that. We can now. I'm like, I'm like, wow, who is that? You know, it, you don't realize how much you do until someone else tells you. Mm-hmm. I have that a lot when people read my own bio back to me. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, you know, I watch you in, in awe because it's like, you know, you're touting this baby on your hip. You know, you're raising a husband, and I know your husband. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I know how much, you know, and you, you guys are, are just, you know, just, just an adorable couple. And I'm really happy to be here and, and just, just support you in any way I can. Oh, thank you, Tori. And to give you a little bit of backstory, Tori has actually been a long time friend of my husband, Spike. <laughs> they were very, very good friends uh, for about the, for about five years during the five years that he was single. And when... I met Spike. He kept telling me all about his friend Tori, who he hadn't heard from you in about a year. And to give, yeah, and to give you a story um, <laughs> for those for those of you that love, like for for me, I have this love affair with the one of the universal laws, the vacuum law of mm-hmm. of the universal law of the vacuum, mm-hmm. and. For when I first met Spike, he was telling me all about his friend Tori, and it took about, I would say, eight months of me dating and being in a relationship with Spike until I met this fabulous Tori that he was telling me about. And when I met Tori, she came up to me and she said, I'm sorry I've been away for so long, but I needed to take that space so that you could come into his life. And that was the first, one of my first introductions to the universal law of the vacuum because for years, Tori filled that space in my husband's life, not in a romantic way, in a completely platonic way, but. Yeah, we were, we were good friends. And I think what happens, and you understand this, Kimberly, Mm -hmm. and everybody listening understands this. It's like when you have a bestie, you know, and, and Spike saved my ass. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. I'd been in a bad relationship. He was like my hero. He was a brother to me and still is. And I think what happened is I recognized when he was ready to bring you in. And I think for me, it was just like, I just literally kind of stopped communicating with mm-hmm. him. And as mean as that can sound sometimes, and I think this brings us into a topic in a sense, you know, sometimes we need to leave people 
alone, who we love, because they need to find their destiny. I could see he needed you and he was ready for you. And I wasn't ready for my guy. And so for me, it was just, I was taking space. So first lesson 101, if you're taking space from somebody, move out of their space. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's kind of like that joke we used to say, maybe before you, Kimberly, but um, (laughs) when people say cock blocking, you know, that kind of like, you know, cock of the walk. It's like, get out of the way. My, there's a Hebrew saying, and I don't know it in Hebrew, but my father used to say it. He's like, it goes like this. It's like, God bless you. Thank, for, thank you for coming. Now get out of the way. There's someone right behind you, you know? And I think that we spend a lot of time thinking we're supposed to be somewhere rather than just letting the empty space occur. Mm-hmm. I think that that is such a powerful topic of, of how you create the space. Because especially in our, in our culture, it's a very, very... We, especially as female entrepreneurs, we feel like we always have to be doing and doing and doing and filling that space rather than allowing for that, that space for something else to flow in. Well, it's hard to know though, too, Kimberly, like do, you know, we love it. Let's face it. If you're doing it, you're doing it because it's your jam. You know, you love it. It's like, yeah, baby, I'm on it. And like, you're working till midnight and you go, Really? I need to get to bed early. And then you finish up and it's two 30 and you go, okay, I'll get up at six. And you're like, that won't happen. But I think that what you're talking about and what, what I think everybody is, is, is really looking at right now is it's, I think it's about allowing it. And I know for me, sometimes I just have to turn everything off and just sit quietly for a minute. Mm -hmm. And we don't realize how long a minute is. And how that silence and that, you know, when people talk about breath and all that, I mean, I got to be honest, I know you got a lot of people who are into this, but I am not into yoga. Now, I remember a friend of mine years ago, he was, <laughs> he was kind of like a big deal in that world. And he said, I said, I'm so sorry, I just don't do it. And he goes, that's fine. You probably did it a lot in, a lot in your past life. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow. So sometimes, and I want to say, allowing yourself to not be into something can be just as powerful as being into it. And, and I think that we're in this time right now where everybody has to get into the bandwagon. And it's like, what if you don't? What if you just let that parade go by, you know? And I think that's kind of, you know... I never intended for the things I did to happen, but one of the things I'm doing now in my life that's a little different is I moved to Asheville because I wanted to be a writer. And Kimberly, I couldn't be a writer in LA. I mean, mm-hmm. for God's sake, the buildings were younger than me. You know, I just couldn't live in a city where I was like, you know, and that's what happens too. You know, we all live in this fear in some ways of like, what that, what's that going to look like when we get older? And I think it's easy when you're in your twenties and thirties to say, I'm going to honor it. But then you get into your, you know, forties, fifties, sixties, and you're like, holy shit, what happened here? You know, like, you know, so I think when, when we talk about our work, I think that one of the things that happens is we all want our work to touch someone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I came into this wanting to change the world. You know, I can't tell you how many people, you know, when I ask about their book or their project or that, what's your book about? Oh, it's about changing the world. Oh, okay. You know, I've gotten to a place where I just want to leave a room with dignity. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've gotten to a place where it's like, you change the world. I'll leave the room and everybody go, God, she looked nice. And that's it. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to you know? so what I'm saying right now is that really when you have something you want to accomplish stay with it but also be flexible mm-hmm. you know you might find yourself pulled in a completely different direction than you first thought and and what i think we do sometimes especially as women is we try to push it back into the center and just say wait a second for some reason this car is pulling to the left why do i need to go to the oh i'll just go to the left you know, um, and I'm going to share with you and everybody else, because, you know, I've been talking about my and we'll talk about spirituality and the cards mm-hmm. and all of that, because I want to talk about first what's happened to me in the last three months that has completely changed my reality. And also the 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 value of the work 
when I was resisting a certain thing, now I'm not, and how the work is getting stronger. So I want to talk about when we take on those things that, I want to say sometimes you just have to be pissed off. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. basically, and you know this, I know I'm like, la, 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 la. okay. So here's the thing. And we mentioned this early when I first, uh, just so everybody knows, while I was putting on my makeup and Carol was <laughs> I know, in our pre-show conversation. Know, like, oh, no, no, no. Pre-chat is always the fun part. That's, the, that's when we should have been rolling. So, because then you'd see the transformation. But what I wanted to say is that when, uh, about, I want to say in last year at some point, I've been, I've been following this crime case and I'm very into true crime. That's one of my like secret kind of like, things where I, I, and I know it has a lot to do with, you know, law enforcement and my family and all that in the past. But anyway, I got really into this one true crime case. And it was the case of Christopher Watts, who murdered his wife, Shanann Watts, and her, his two children. I don't want to get into the details of the crime because it's so awful. People who are not into it will freak. But I was watching this and I'm watching this and I'm watching this and I'm getting angrier and angrier and angrier and I'm going, what is this? And so I have this YouTube channel, right? Everybody that's just this like, kind of like, hi, let me talk about, you know, the Chakra Wisdom Oracle cards and this week's thing is this. And you know, I'm me, so I'm not gonna be that, you know, like kind of like syrupy. But what happened was I got really pissed and I got on and I made this video. And I made this video about the Christopher Watts case. And I just put it up on my YouTube channel and I just let it fly, like I let it rip. And it, what it was, was it was, a, it was a, a letter from the mother of the murdered girl mm -hmm. to the police officer about her, you know, her experience of it. I read the letter and I commented, to date, this is 10 weeks ago from this taping. So by the time this comes out, it'll be yeah. It has, it has 472,000 views and it took me in a direction I fully didn't expect to go, Kimberly. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, and this is vital everybody, because my thing was, you know, my Chakra Wisdom Oracle cards, I've just done the Chakra Wisdom Tarot and I'll talk about that as well. But one of the things that I've been trying to do is stay in my lane. You know, just stay in the lane, just look in front of me. Because that's what I tell people, stay in your lane, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Well, I still believe that. So I did this video, and then all of a sudden, it, my, my channel of 1,500 over, you know, seven years uh, went to, I think, something like 5,000 almost within days. And I was trying to get monetized. Uh, yeah, it, within days. I was trying to get monetized, and... They were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I had met the criteria, but YouTube was not monetized. And I was like, well, all right. So I put up that video. Well, within, um, I think that video went up on a Thursday or Friday. By Monday, I was monetized and I was close to 8,000. And right now, um, I think just at this, I'm, I'm just crusting 17,000 subscribers on, on YouTube. Now, the thing that make and, and that's at this taping, who knows? Yes, in a month from now when this comes out, like, it's going to be where it'll crazy. Yeah. It, you know, and it may be only 3,000 more. But here's the point of what I'm telling this whole story about, is that I recognized that my message was bigger than, than I thought it was. And the people I've been talking to are people that already are into it. So what happened was when I opened this up to a bigger audience, all of a sudden, it was like people who, people who are ready for this kind of conversation, a more spiritual conversation. Like I have things like my slogan is say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't say it mean. Um, I don't allow any politics. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, there's certain things I don't allow on my channel. I don't allow you to attack anybody in posts. You're not allowed to say anything. Trolls are taken off immediately. And it's created this safe environment. So what's happening now is the message that I had with Chakra Wisdom Oracle and also with Chakra Wisdom Tarot, which I think is a different, you're going to dig the message, particularly yes. what you're doing. Um, but all of that has now has a bigger conversation. The principles underneath it are bigger than these products. So that's what I'm trying to say is that if your voice, if what you have to say is bigger than the arena you are in, 
it will find a way there. I think that some people try to like get themselves there instead of building their, their cup, you know, creating their thing and then allow it to go. We push it to go. Mm-hmm. And this is something I didn't see until now when I, and I just brought a friend of mine on, uh, onto my channel. We just did a face reading thing. She's a specialist in face reading. And she was like, oh my gosh, she's already had like 200 people subscribe, 30,000 views on this video. I mean, it's, what I'm trying to say is that people want the information, but Mm -hmm. we need to create a safe space for us ourselves and others, a safe environment where we have a no troll, no meanie, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't get to call each other names. Um, You know, you don't get to have political agendas, you know, that's it. It's allowing for that that diversity of conversation and of opinion without being an mean. asshole about it. <laughs> without being mean. I mean, I'm just, I always say no meanies. Mm-hmm. You know, people get on with these, and you'll get this. You know, they get on with these, like, buzzwords. Well, that person's a narcissist, and that's a psycho blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not an expert. Okay, so this guy may have everything under the sun, but as far as I'm concerned, he's a jackass, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just talk in real terms. Let's not make it, because what happens is when we talk in lingo, we separate ourselves from the reality of the moment. Yes, that's, I mean, that's one of my biggest things as a coach, as an NLP practitioner, like language is so key. And when you start with these broad labels or labels that, in my opinion, are plagiarized that you've borrowed from somebody else because you heard it from somebody else and then you attach it to this other thing, it, it limits and it puts that, per, that thing into some sort of construct that's not necessarily true. It's not the actual reality of the situation. Well, because we don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm going to give you an example of like, for, for example, abandonment, right? I was working with people I was doing, I was teaching Chakra Wisdom Oracle, right? We were talking about it and the, this one card came up and this woman said, wow, this reminds me of my mother abandoning me. And I said, oh, okay, what do you mean? And everybody looked at me, I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, you know, my mother abandoned me. I said, what does that mean? Like, and she's like, oh, come on, Tori. And you know, everybody's sitting here now watching is probably going, we know what abandonment means. But wait a minute, her definition It's not going to be the same as mine or yours or our reality. That's why it's so important we say, I'm not clear or I don't understand. We are in the state of inquiry. So I said to her, okay, I know what the definition is if I look it up in the dictionary. What does it mean to you? Well, she then went into a long story, which I'll shorten. But basically, she said, well, when I would come home from school every day, my mother would have her back to me and she would just say, just grab your snack and go do the, your homework in the living room. And I never saw her. And I said, where was your dad? And she said, well, he worked nights and well, they fought all the time and he beat her. So I didn't, didn't really see anything. I didn't see my father. And I went, well, how did you know he beat her if you didn't see anything? And she said, well, and there was this pause and she went, oh my gosh. I said, what? She said, my mother, my mother wouldn't look at me because her eyes were black and blue. He had beat her. So she was hiding from her daughter, these, these uh, bruises. So in that moment, Kimberly, this woman was able to, if you will reframe, but she was instantly taken from, wait a minute. I said, what do you now think that your mother was doing? And she went, oh my God, she was protecting me. Mm -hmm. She was protecting you from seeing it. So when she took that small reframe of her life, everything changed. Yeah. And her past changed too, because the meaning of it changes, right? So 100%. Everything redefines, I'm getting truth bumps. Everything (laughs) redefines in that moment. And the thing I want to remind everybody of is that when you have that kind of breakthrough, you're supposed to not know who you are and be shaking. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be like, I don't know what to do with this. Don't do anything. When you have that kind of breakthrough, your entire facade is being ripped. You're going to feel vulnerable. Don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Sit with it for a day or two. I think sometimes the 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 idea is that well, now we have to do something. Yeah. And, that, 
And that goes to the idea of cards. Cards in and of themselves, I think people think there has to be an end to it. No, a, a, a good reading should keep a conversation open. Yeah. So when we talk about, you know, the NLP and the idea of what is someone saying to us, an inquiry, and, and I use this term um, in, in my stuff, I work with open and closed conversations. Mm-hmm. But an open conversation is, oh, um, Kimberly, I don't, I don't really know what you mean. Can you explain that? Because I really don't know. Versus, you know what? This is what you just said to me, and I don't think it's right. Yep. And do you know I had one of the biggest breakthroughs in my life in a conversation with your husband? Oh, did you? Yep. I'm going to share it. Yes, please. <laughs> please. She was going to protect me, right? <laughs> so one of the best conversations and most meaningful I ever had, what really, really sealed my friendship with your husband was, uh, this is years ago now, we were on the phone and I was crying about something and complaining. And, um, you know, Spike said, well, this is what you need to do. And I started fighting with him about it. Don't tell me what to do. You know, now I like in this upset and he's like, well, you know, this, you need to do this and this. And I'm fighting with him and fighting with him. And you can see like, you know, two Sagittarians in a bowl, you know, it's kind of (laughs) like, it starts to like, just, it's starting to escalate. And all of a sudden I said, you know what, Spiker, I get that you're, I get that you love me and I get you're trying to help me. And I get that you're trying to say something really really supportive. I'm not able to hear it right now. Yeah. And there was this pause and he went, wow, you just saved our friendship. I was just going to like walk away. And I went, oh, and that was such a breakthrough for me to be able to say to somebody, you know, I can't hear you right now was so big and that's an open conversation. The closed one was fighting with him over my feelings versus Mm -hmm. me saying, I know you're trying to help me, I can't hear it. And he was like, okay, I can accept that. Like that was a, and when we're in upset, we don't always know that we have that tool to just stop. And one of my things is just stop it, stop, just stop. And I learned that from that experience with your hobby. Oh, my hubby's, oh, that's awesome. I I love that story. I think you touched on something that was so powerful because I equate like breakthroughs as kind of like this, you're as standing in the center of a hurricane. So prior to that hurricane, you have gone through, your life has been a whirlwind that has been impacted by this past story or this limiting belief that you've been telling yourself. And when you have that breakthrough, you break through into that peaceful center of the hurricane. The thing is, is that when you're in that peaceful center of the hurricane, there's still the other side that you got to walk through. And that's the up leveling of all of the, the past stories, all of the things that that, that story has rippled out into. And then there's the clearing of the hurricane has passed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I personally had one, a a very, very powerful breakthrough about five months ago that I finally came to that clearing with of, of just seeing what I needed to see from that experience. And once I got to that end, but the the five months, it was, it wasn't like I had the breakthrough and suddenly it was like, oh, okay, everything's hunky dory. It was like, I had the breakthrough and then it was okay, now, now things, everything is realigning and reshifting and, and the things that aren't supposed to be in my life are leaving and they're getting tossed aside and destroyed and now, now it's moving forward. So I think that, that's, that breakthroughs in, in that sense are not, it's not a linear path. And no, and I agree. And I think this brings up the conversation around, you know, the, the, the me too, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the Me Too must go somewhere. It's got to go to now what? Yeah. Now what? You know, now how do we get along? Now that we've ripped everything apart and kind of stand pointing fingers, now what do we do? You know, and I think it's now what becomes, you know, let it begin with me. Mm-hmm. Now what begins with, you know, t- takes us to, okay, what's our journey, which is a Perfect segue. Awesome. Um, so I want to, I know you've talked a little bit and everybody just, um, so you know, my original deck was the Chakra Wisdom Oracle cards. Yes. And these are based on um, a series of fables that were presented to me after a near-death experience. 
And uh, can you go into that story for just a second? Because I find that fascinating as to how these voices, these angels, these these experiences came to you and how this got translated into what you're doing now. Well, first of all, I never I never really knew what it meant at the time. I just knew that I was trying to write a book and everything was interrupting me and I was pissed off as hell. And then I was just like, this is in my way. And what happened was, it was, I'd had a near-death experience in New York. And by the way, that is a long story. So just trust me to tell you that <laughs> after that story, I was guided to move to LA, which I did. Um, and I, I really, for the first five or six years, I was in love with LA. And what happened during that time was, of course, I went to LA to write a novel, don't ask. Um, I was writing screenplays in New York and then a novel in LA. But anyway, I was there and I... After the near-death experience, angels started coming to me from the moment I moved to L.A. and telling me these long stories that I had to write down. And they wouldn't go away till I wrote them down. And some of them ended up on, like, you know, when I tell you legal pads stuffed in drawers. And this was over a period of time. I was trying to write this novel, which, by the way, sucked and never got written. But, um, <laughs> but these cards came out of it. Now, what happened was I, uh, I had a friend who was an artist and he was having trouble making ends meet. And he came to me and said, can you do a reading for me? I need to get $3,000 by Friday. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so he sat down and I said, sure. And I was like, and at the time I was reading tarot and I said, sure. And so I said, Oh, I need to get the deck. And I ran upstairs. And when I came back down, he had in front of him, he had like, he was just this kind of guy. He was, you know, open my drawers and look and stuff. And he had a, uh, pad of paper and he's reading this thing. I said, what are you doing? He said, you know, and he finished reading it and he said, okay, I got what I needed. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, I got my answer. And I said, okay. And he said, I don't need a reading. And he left. Well, that was, he was reading one of the fables and he was reading the fable on perseverance. You know, don't quit before the miracle. Mm -hmm. And he basically, he went home and this was on Wednesday and he had no, by the way, he needed 3000 by Friday to pay his rent. He had no idea what he was going to do. And cause he was, a, he was a month behind, which is why that, you mm -hmm. know, already, you know, and he got a call next day from Crayola and they said, we need something overnight. The gig pays 3000. Um, we can message you a check, you know, messenger you a check Friday morning. Can you do it tomorrow tonight? And he was like, yeah. So he did this incredible, it was the Crayola bus and he was a beautiful artist. He passed away a number of years ago now, but basically what happened was from that people were like, what did you do? I'm like, I don't do anything. You read a fable, you know, <laughs> basically what happened from there was I started a mastermind group. And for those, I know everybody here knows what it means for the one person who doesn't, it's a <laughs> group of people like ourselves who mm -hmm. sit down and it becomes, it becomes a master mind. So all of our minds become a universal consciousness and it becomes stronger than just one of us alone. Right. Yes. So in the mastermind, um, long story short, I had about six people, we went on, everybody in that group, we started studying the fables. That's what began to happen because my friend said, you got to read these fables. And so we started reading them. They're still the original fables from in the, in the book. Uh, it's around here somewhere. Oh, here it is. In the, in the toolkit, the original fables are fully printed. With the card deck, you just have the legend. It's a small little thing. Mm -hmm. But you still get the gist of it. But I think if you really want to get the depth of it, toolkit, you need to read the full fable. So we started reading these fables and then I started creating exercises around them. And it became this thing where one night we did this exercise and you'll love this. That's what I'm going to share it with you. Yes. One night we did this exercise, it's in the joy card. And basically the exercise, and by the way, they're all in here, the mastermind things. Um, the joy card basically was people didn't know what to do or they were lost. The thing was you sit down and pretend now, you're about to, you're sitting here with Oprah or whoever your big person is, whoever you want to be with, right? So if it's Oprah, you're sitting there and she says to you, so Kimberly, tell me about your latest project. I guarantee that no one will be silent sitting on Oprah's couch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it became this thing where people were really saying in the group what they, who they really were. And one person said, you know, I'd really rather accept my Academy Award. I don't want to be on Oprah. And she's like, okay. And I want you to know that person went on to accept an Academy Award five years later. 
So it was very interesting how these fables actually worked in people's lives. And no, I can't say. So <laughs> the, idea, the, the idea is that the fables then led me to chakra. I started teaching them in chakra because they were the seven rainbow colors. And then uh, the, I was asked to do a book. Saint, I, it's coming out in November uh, this year, St. Martin's. And they, after the fables came out, after the, I self-published because no one wanted it. Then it, I sold 10,000 off my, uh, my website. And then I just couldn't sell another one. And I went with Watkins in the UK. It was a magical story, completely magical. And they published it. We went on to publish two other books with it. It's been, it sold over a hundred thousand uh, copies worldwide. It's done really, really well. And I, uh, there was, oh, so I was asked by a friend of mine to do a, um, uh, a book for St. Martin's on the chakra and it's chakra for beginners. So that's mm -hmm. the, um, you know, the thingy thing. So the fables themselves became a deck of cards. Um, and I need to tell you, because I think everybody here will get this. I had done this deck, and uh, I, when I say done the deck, I'd had a book. I didn't yeah. do the deck yet. And I found this woman on the interweb. This was before the, you know, just like, I want to say, man, the beginning of the internet, really. Um, probably around... It's like 2010, right? Well, it came out in 2000, yeah, 2009, 2010, but I found this woman in 2006, 2007. Yeah. So we were pretty much mailing, you know, this was before we were sending files, okay? We weren't really sending files. We were more like Dropbox. <laughs> right, exactly. Except for Dropbox and except for what was the other. So I mailed her the manuscript, right? And she says, it's going to take me a year. And I said, well, I'm not, not in a hurry. I've been with it for 15 at that point. And so every week in my email, it would be like a little drawing of a fable. And it took her a year and she created the imagery for the cards. Now, one of the things that happened was she sent me imagery. I never, the only card I ever corrected was the miracle card and the originals around somewhere. But she did this kind of very childlike, very interesting fable-like imagery. Now, I ended, up, uh, I ended up putting a website up. But what happened was, because uh, I, I got all these units, I didn't know how to sell them. I couldn't sell them on Amazon, Kimberly, because it was going to cost me a dollar to sell them. Yeah. By the time I sold it, it was like crazy at the time. Well, because didn't you invest your, your whole life savings into this Everything. project? Every yeah. Penny I had and the kitchen sink, you know, everything. And uh, the, the units came and I was like, holy crap. And I had to get a storage locker. It was crazy. So with the last few thousand dollars I had, I put up a website with a shuffler so people could shuffle and try the cards. And slowly, one by one, they came and they started buying. But here's the thing. Let me back up for a minute. Right when the deck came out, I remember it was the only time I talked to Gretchen, the artist of the, um, of the fables, Gretchen Reichbaum, she's on here. And she said to me, you know, I feel like there's another fable. I feel like we're missing, you know, another card. I feel like we're missing one. And I said, well, honey, I don't feel a card. I feel an angel, but I don't feel a card. And that was in September. Or was it? Yeah, it was like September. Uh, no, it was August. And I put the deck online. And six months later, six months and a day, Gretchen died. And I realized, she was only 41, she was very young. And I, I realized in that moment that, oh my gosh, she's the final angel. So what this deck became for me was it was like the idea of not dying with your music in you. And then it became even more powerful that people were saying, who did this deck? I want to hire her. And it was very interesting that her career was happening after her death. And I realized that the lesson was for me um, to encourage other artists, to encourage people to do what they were here to do and to find their voice no matter what the price. And so that ultimately became, you know, as you know, it, it grew and the deck itself originally was called Color Wisdom Cards. And then when Watkins did it, uh, Joe, my publisher said to me, she was like, you know, would you mind if we change the name to Chakra? I go, no, because that's how I teach it. I love it. Do it. She was like, perfect. So the Chakra Wisdom Cards really taught me about 
how to access the energy points, right? The, the mm -hmm. chakra energy and to use manifesting skills with that, which is what my book that's coming out in November, 2019, who knows when this will be played, but November, 2019 is when, um, the book on beginner chakras coming out, but the chakra wisdom tarot came from one night I was sitting there and you'll get this. Oh, Kimberly, yes. you'll get this. I was sitting there and I was playing. I love the tarot. Okay. And I love the tarot because I love the stories. I really enjoy, uh, I enjoy, I, 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 God, I have so many decks. My decks have decks. <laughs> anyway, what happened was I was sitting there one night and I kind of started to play with the tarot and I started to look at numbers and I started to recognize as I was looking at these, I went, wait a minute. This is in a rhythm. There's a rhythm to the tarot. And the tarot has a rhythm of chakra. And the chakra is in the tarot. So the, the first, the minor arcana, which is the ace through the king, is 14 cards. Uh -huh. So the first seven are the first seven chakra. And then the number eight begins the seven chakra again. So that means the aces and the eights are red. So when we look at a red chakra card, these are the bunch of cards, but when we look at the eight, we look at beginning again. So sometimes people feel energetically when they're doing a project, they go, oh, I have to start over? No, the eight tells you you're beginning again, but you have the knowledge of the ace. Uh -huh. So this is kind of like about building on what you know, if you look at it that way, right? And then I'm not going to go through every card, but basically you get the idea of, so I'm going to show you one of my favorites. Um, this is the two of swords. Now the twos are emotion, right? So it's all about emotions. So everything in the twos are going to be about emotion, just like the nines become emotional cards too. So oh. what happens is you're, you're looking at the chakra building through the minor arcana where you've got the, the yellow cards, for example. You know, you've got... Um, Sorry, this one reminds me of you for some reason. So I'm gonna hold it up. Look how beautiful she is, everybody. Look at that. Oh, I, I like it. that one. There she is. So that's the ten. So this is like we've got the three and the ten. Then it'll be the four and the princess instead of the. Um, I called it the princess instead of the page. So we look at the. Uh, for instance, I prefer princess. <laughs> <laughs> princess of wands. So she's green. Yes. Um, this is on the cover of the, of the thing, the Princess of uh, Swords. So the, the deck. And then- She reminds me of you. <laughs> I love the blue cards. They're oh, beautiful. Gorgeous. And then of course, when we look at these, these are, and then of course all the knights are blue as well because it's the five and the knights. And then the, um, this is my personal favorite card. Ooh. We'll move on. So, so you will have you will have to watch this on the on the YouTube for on our Queen TV because you want to you will want to see the, the beauty of these cards. How did you tie like how did you connect the fables that you you discovered uh, that were told to you by the angels? How did you connect the fables to the chakras and then the chakras to the tarot? What I understood right away as I started to play with the fables, I started to recognize that there was a pattern and I didn't know what the pattern was. And then I started looking at this and going, wait a minute, these are all color-based. I mean, I had, I had been working on a book uh, on color when, the, when all of this stuff happened years ago. It went on to become a fashion book, Fabulous You, which is long out of print. But it was basically, the idea is that I started to look at those colors and I started to go, wait a minute, there's color patterns here. There's red, orange. And I started to recognize the minute I put it into color, then I started to recognize it was chakra. Then I realized I didn't know duty about the chakra. I mean, I didn't know anything. And I was like, oh, I better learn this. So I started studying chakra and that's when I started teaching it. The more I got into the chakra, the more I recognized that we had energetic, like I want to say energetic spaces within us. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, one of the things I talk about when I'm teaching is I do not believe in blocks. I do not believe you get a chakra block. They do not get blocked. What happens is they get busy. And as they're busy, 
and they're working, what we tend to do is go, I have a block, unblock it. And then what happens is it dissipates the energy mm-hmm. and you ruin the tension. Now, you know, the work you do, right, is we have to have tension to manifest. It just mm-hmm. doesn't work any other way. So people who go try to get rid of that block, it's actually busy. And what they're doing is they're dissipating the, what, the very thing they've tried to manifest. So they're actually defeating their own manifesting energy when they try to like undo a chakra block. It's not blocked. It's busy and silent. You know how like when Declan sits in the corner and he's playing? Yep. You don't go over there and go, what are you doing? You leave him alone. Mm-hmm. Because he's, he's busy. busy. He's busy. That's what the chakra's doing. So, what so I- how, do you, how do you go through that busyness and how does that busyness kind of ignite that, that, that breakthrough in essence? Well, that's where people like yourself coaches, right? What happens is, and you can do it yourself or you can work with a coach. I actually think both are very viable. I think it really depends on the person. And some people need to work with others. I know I do with certain things. So, you know, it's like giving yourself a back rub. You just can't do it, right? So you need a masseuse. But Mm -hmm. how you do it is you recognize that there's an energy that's stuck. You recognize that something is not. And the way I always begin my courses is what, the first thing I say is what has eluded you? Mm. What in your life has eluded you? Whatever it is, because I guarantee every New Year's, we put the same things down. They just look different. They're wearing a different color. They have a hat or a pair of glasses, but they're all the same thing. Very similar. That is what has eluded you. That is somewhere in your body. Whatever chakra it is in is going to tell you the area of your life it's, it's operating in. For example... A root chakra card, red chakra, is going to tell me that it comes from a belief from family of origin. And I always believe beliefs are, um, okay, so beliefs are always against this energy. You don't change a belief. It's like rearranging a deck chair on the Titanic, right? You either have a knowing, right? You know something's, let me put it this way, not wood. If you saw your son, I'm not going to say your son, someone's son trapped under a car, I guarantee that mother would be able to lift that car. Yes. Now, 100%. why is that? Why is it I can walk over and see a piece of stick under there and I can't lift my car, but if I see, because you know what you're capable of. That's knowing. A belief is something that is instilled in you to protect you against something. Mm-hmm. So therefore, when you have a belief like, oh, I can't possibly do that. Oh, okay, you can't. Now let's move on to something. Wait a minute, what do you mean? Well, you say you can't. You already believe you can't. Well, I need to get rid of that belief. Why do you need to get rid of that belief? Well, it's stopping me. Okay, let's move on to something. Well, wait a minute. See, I think what happens is we want to argue for our limitations as yes. opposed to step into what we know to be true. 100%. So when we look at the chakra, what happens is when people, and a lot of times people use esoteric things to, to separate themselves from the truth of their circumstance. So they'll say something like blocked. Or, you know, I find this a lot, and not all the time, because some practitioners are very, very good, but they've used the term block so much they don't know what it is. Yes. And I think that, I think that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where you'll go to a practitioner. I remember I was walking through, and I'm going to get to this, everybody, bear with me. <laughs> I'm get the connection, the chakra, the cards. The, the thing that I recognized, I was walking through a show, I think it was like one of the new agey shows in LA years ago, and this woman walks up to me and says, your chakra, your fourth chakra, it's blocked, and I want to help you loosen it, and I can do it. And I said, get away from my chakra, get away. <laughs> she was like this, I said, get out of my chakra space. <laughs> yeah, it's like, leave my chakra alone. And my friend who I was with just doubled over laughing, and she was like, what the heck? I said, listen. You know, everybody's an expert on someone else, but let me see how it changes your life. And then I'm willing to, to listen to you. All right. Perception I, is projection, baby. It's so true. And you know, the thing is, is that what I try to say to people all the time, you know, and I, I I'm going to do a mug on this. It's really funny. We're talking about this because it was something like, um, have you ever found that the people who, obj- who are uh, offended are often the people who 
offend. Yes. So it's kind of like, it doesn't work, guys. You can't, you can't get rid of a belief with another belief. That's like, that's like putting a new roof, you know, putting 20 roofs on your roof and it finally caves in and you go, gosh, I was trying to get rid of it. You can't, you can't shift a belief unless you know why you put it there. And 90% of the time, people just want to shift it without having any recognition to the fact that, and this goes to what you teach, you must know the purpose it serves. Yep. And that's where the knowledge comes in. That's where coaching comes in. Now, for me, I use different terminology when I'm teaching card reading because I always say we never give advice. Once you give advice, you become part of the problem. You become the guru. Right. And you know what the danger of being a guru is? That person will then blame you for everything in their life. And I ain't taking that. Mm, 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 mm. I had a woman call on a radio show years ago. <laughs> you will love this. She goes, she goes, you know, you told me when I called in last week that, or a couple of weeks ago that he was going to call me about, I go, honey, you got, you dialed the wrong person. You've, that's, you've, you've been psychic hopping. You called seven other psychics. Everybody told you what you wanted to hear and you think I'm one of them. And uh, that's not me. She was like, Oh, I said, I'd never tell you he was going to call. I would tell you right now from your energy, you are addicted to needing to know. And in six months, he's going to be engaged to somebody else. And you'll be like, but you told me he was going to love me. He may love you, but he's not with you. And she's like, oh. so, you know, people can love us and not show up for us. Mm -hmm. It's not about love. It's about the form in which we take love. It's kind of like taking our own medicine, right? We can only accept a form of love that we speak. That's why people who, who put up with abuse, and believe me, hello, I've been one of them, and I can't deny right that. Right here, too. Yeah, right? That's why when, let me relanguage that. When we have put up with abuse in the past, it was because that was our definition of love. As the definition shifts... It no longer works. It's almost like you'll walk by that person on the street. Have you ever had that happen where somebody goes, oh, so-and-so, hi, how are you? And you go, do I Who know? are you? Yeah. yeah. And it's because they are no longer in your frame of reference. Yes. They left. Yeah. Because when, when you look for red all the time, you'll only see red. Mm -hmm. But immediately, if you close your eyes and you are looking for red, you don't notice all the, the greens or the purples or the blues around you. And, and that's what happens when you shift your identity. Well, and that's also, this was, this is early Tony Robbins stuff, right? Where yes. he talked about one of his first exercises was he had you close your eyes and look around the room, you know, uh -huh. that taught me early on to look around the room and see what mattered to me in the moment. So one of the exercises, you know, people can do in this moment is just go inside and look at what matters to you in this call in the moment. What is it you are taking from our conversation right now? And then look at that as a mirror for you. So if I say to you, wait a minute, if it's not a block, what is it? Then maybe that's the conversation going on internally. I can't tell you how many people, and, and I'm put, y'all are in this state with me right now, so bear with me. I can't tell you how many people will come to me because a therapist has sent them because they want to find out what the issue is so then they can take it back and work on it. Because I think one of the things we do very well as coaches, intuitives, and I think good energy workers are going to never addict you to their services. Their goal yes. is to take you through a plan and then let you go on. Some people need ongoing therapy and that is something where you need to build a trust with the professional. That's completely different. But Kimberly, we're not living in that day anymore. It's one of the reasons why I don't like the term life coach, because I'm like, I don't want to be with you for your whole life. <laughs> like, I don't want you to need me for your whole life. I want to celebrate you and your accomplishments and the things that you're achieving. But yeah, the, to be, the term life coach for me, a lot of times people construe it to be that, oh, I need somebody to hold my hand. I'm like, no, you don't. You have all the tools and all the resources on your own. It's well, just, I help you tap into those. Exactly. And what we do also, which is very important, is that we have these tools. It's kind of like, um, I used to always laugh because Kimberly's husband used to come to my house to cook because everybody knows if you've watched her at all, you know he's a master chef. 
And that was the days when we were friends. <laughs> What's the days when you didn't live in North Carolina? <laughs> he would walk in my house and go, is this the knife you've got? I'm like, yeah. He'd go, oh. and then he'd go, is this your pan, this warped thing? I'd go, yeah. And he'd be like, oh. And you know what? <laughs> he couldn't use the tool. I mean, he did the best he could. But those were, if you look, if you, we draw a correlation, the tools I had were not good enough for what, the level at which he was operating in the kitchen. So when we look at our life as a kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't, we don't put our kitchen together in a way that works with us. That's where, if you will, assistance comes in, where we can say to you, these are the 25 tools. You can say, well, these are the five I use. And then we can say, here's some more that you might be able to use. And a good a good support system is going to be able to help you use those fabulous tools as opposed to just like, well, is this a, is this a thing that you use to cook with? You know? And I think a lot of us um, struggle through life with that. Mm -hmm. And some of us who've done some of these things maybe fall it on our ass a couple times. Um, Let me tell you something. And Kimberly, you know this. Don't yes. somebody who hasn't been through the crap you've been through. Yes. Okay. I'm just going to say that if you have not been touched by the disease of alcoholism, don't work with me because I have that, you know, I have those, when I say in my history and my background, you, we are, we're attracted to people based on what they've mastered, not necessarily, and what they continue to struggle with, mm -hmm. what they continue to work with. I don't, I don't have an answer. I have some tools. And so when I fall down, I get to go, oh, damn it. And I get to get up again. You know, mm -hmm. that's the difference is the tools guide me through. Chakra. So shock back to chakras. <laughs> Speaking of which. So let's talk for a minute, Kimberly, about the work uh, you're doing. And this will kind of be our, our bringing things together. What we're doing as women is we have to recognize that as friends, as mothers, as sisters, as confidants, we have to recognize that we are either in this together mm -hmm. or we fail together. Nobody is against you. You know, I think the idea, here's the thing where Me Too went too far, okay? And this is my opinion. I think Me Too is a great concept because suddenly people were kind of going, oh, yeah, I had that happen, and we relate it. But at a certain point, once you relate, you have to move into now that I relate, how can I work with those ideas and make mm -hmm. my life better? Because otherwise, and I used to say, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow. Don't pitch a tent there. Yeah. Going. <laughs> well, and also it's, it comes down to relating, but there, there can be a, I mean, we all know the cliche phrase, misery loves company. And that's what commiserating is sometimes rather than, shifting the conversation to future pace, sometimes that, that support or that relation can stay stuck in the past where it's preventing you from moving forward from whatever you experienced. And you know, it's, I'm sorry, cause you just keep bringing up good ideas. So I'm going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, and I'm sorry, apologize. Um, one of the things that is coming forward to me as you say this is the thing of the reason I don't allow on my YouTube channel, people to start getting into conversations around and bear with me. I'm just gonna use guns or gun control or school shooting, all of that stuff. While it's very valuable and I'm not trying to you know, minimize it. The problem with it is, is it becomes a slippery slope of divisiveness. So it becomes, and here's the thing, it's not that those conversations aren't important. Here's the, here's the key. We don't know how to have them. We've lost the ability to talk to each other. And therefore it becomes, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, instead of what is a solution. Now, when we talk about that stuff, it has to be with decorum, it has to be as an adult. It has to be civil. And so we have to back up and start with those conversations. But the first thing is when we look at the chakra and something that happened, now that goes into a whole thing, but I think that what you're saying, Kimberly, is right on. That the issue is that people don't know how to discuss things. And, it's, and for me, I understand that idea of the misery, but it also becomes that mob 
idea of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's not doing anything. That's actually just like, if you remember in, in football games, when you saw everybody do a pile, uh-huh. not a pile. It looked like they had fun, but somebody was choking down there. It's know? fueling the fire. Yeah. And so it really becomes, it's not that it's not important to discuss. It's that we have to find ways to mature ourselves so that we can have those conversations in a way that's going to be supportive. So that said, one of the things that happened with the Shocker Wisdom Tarot, and I know I've showed you some of these cards, one of the things that happened was the Fool's Journey. It's the first deck ever that has used the Fool's Journey as a woman's journey. Mm. And it begins with a woman. Now, what makes this deck different and what makes this conversation take the next step is that once the fool has started out, she's in every card. And so people who know tarot will go, wait a minute, isn't that the magician? Yes, except in the magician. And the first seven chakra cards in the chakra wisdom tarot, these major arcana, the first seven are her mentors. She's learning how to use the tools from the magician. And notice that it's emotional. When we learn tools, it's by our nature, it's going to be emotional. We don't learn tools because we're in a good mood. We learn tools because we're desperate to learn them. True that, right? True that. Like, preach. I was like, I'm voraciously writing notes just because I'm like, yes, yes. Because that's when we seek out the tools, when we seek out resources, it's when we're in a place of, of need. for that. So what begins to happen is as we seek out mentors, here's one where the, this is the high priestess. Now the high priestess is sitting there, but if you look at the fool, she's got her back to us and she's holding the card with her picture in it. So she's going to become her mentor. The idea of mentorships is not that you actually do that. You become your version of it. Yes. The empress is teaching the young fool compassion, the heart. She's giving her the gift of love and emotion. She's teaching her how to be a woman. And this is something we all need to do for each other. And as women, it is our responsibility to do that. And this is becomes now, look how the fool now comes and meets the emperor. If you notice, she's in the background. We know she's approaching him, but she doesn't quite know how to approach him yet. Yet he holds the wand of, he holds the wand of, I want to say, um, how do you say, leading, the leadership wand, correct? Mm-hmm. So then when the fool goes to, in the sixth chakra, her intuition, she's learning from the hierophant, but notice that she's now approaching him with a wand. She has the wand of wisdom and how to guide herself and those who she loves. These are the lessons she's learning in these first seven chakra. And finally, we look at the fool as she looks at love. Mm-hmm. Is, is she observing it or is she in it? Now, here's the thing. Are you in, are you capable of having love or are you observing love and who you are going to be in the love place? Seventh chakra, universal consciousness. Mm-hmm. Now, and the thing that becomes important here, and I, I want to say that you just saw the fool go through her mentors. What's her next step? What does she have to do next? She has to learn. She has to really apply what she's learned. And isn't that what we're all doing? So we begin, of course, with, the, and I'm not going to, believe me, I won't go through every yeah. single one. But, but basically, you can see here in the chariot, she is summoning energy, right? First chakra root. She's trying to ground her ideas now from all the lessons she learned. But look, she's not even looking at it yet. She's not capable of learning to manifest yet. So if you don't practice, you can't learn it. And, and again, we go into each of these as... And if you're not into that space, like the story you, you shared about you and Spike. Right. Of like, he, you weren't in that space yet to be there. You were still in the development phase of looking for those mentors. You hadn't yet gotten to that next step. Exactly. And so we, we don't yet know how to harness the strength that we have, you see, mm. sometimes, and that's what happens. So in this deck, and I, again, I don't want to go through every one, but just to give you the idea that the fool is in every single card that we've looked at. She's not, she's not exempt from the story. She is the story, which means you're your story. 
Oh, Tori, I could keep talking to you for <laughs> hours. And I know when, <laughs> when we get together, we do. <laughs> it gets very late. But we got to... We got to wrap this up here. So I got some rapid fire questions for you to end on a really fun and silly note. Okay. So what is your favorite female character in a book or a movie? And Uh, why? Oh. Uh, Jane Eyre. Oh, oh, good book. And good movie. So if you were queen of a country... What would be your prime focus? Well, exactly what I'm doing. Being kind to each other. Amen. That would be be as a queen. Remember, that's not necessarily dictator. And it's setting an example for people. Yeah. So I would say president's a different one. But queen, yeah. (laughs) So what would you consider to be your kingdom? I have to say that um, it's kind of like, this is my queendom, right? So this is my, this is my jam, right where I am, connecting with you, connecting with others, and really writing books. I love books. Yes. Oh, I, I, oh, I love books too. Uh, if your palace had a curse jar, how much money would you have to put in it daily and how much would you charge yourself? A what, a what jar? A curse jar. I don't know what a curse jar is. You'll have to tell me. So, like, how often do you drop the F-bomb in your, in your palace? Oh. <laughs> and how much money would you charge yourself? Oh, God, I would be a billionaire by now. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think, if I had a curse jar, um, hmm, <laughs> I think I would at least have a million dollars. I probably would charge myself, gee, that would be a good investment, um, probably 10 bucks a curse. Nice. It's actually a good way to rack up the savings. Yep, good investment. Uh, So what woman would you want to trade places with just for a day? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, You know, it's funny. I probably would pick someone else tomorrow, but I have to pick the person that's coming to me in this moment. Um, I would really like to trade places with Teresa May for a day and see what it's like to be in hell running, you know what I mean? Like having that kind of dissension going on and really experience it uh, internally in order for me to work on energetically shifting it. So I would say I would wanna know, I would wanna be her for a day just to experience it. What is one quality that men need to, can learn from women? Mm, I'd almost like to flip that. Um, and, and vice versa. Okay, good. Because yeah. I'm thinking that... Um, I think both. I think that, you know, I'm going to say both ways. I think that um, this is going to sound odd, but I think they need to have more more decorum, mm. more, more politeness. I, I think not all men, just the babies, just the ones who don't know how to behave and become keyboard commandos. I would say, I would say kindness, recognizing their power. And if the roles were switched... What, what would women, what could women learn from men? That we're not men. And I think that's the biggest thing. We're not men. And so be the woman you are because that has strength to it. it it's not the other way around. We have more in a sense, sorry guys, than they do. So we have to be a little bit more understanding. <laughs> they are the weaker sex. <laughs> those guys out there and I don't want to minimize that, you know, but I think yeah. we, I think we cut men a little bit too short at times, you know, like we, mm-hmm. give them, we don't give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So what message would you want to share with the world? Well, I would say the one I'm sharing, which is to mm-hmm. be, to really state what you mean and state it in a way that's, that's kind because kindness is heard. Meanness is ignored. Yeah. And lastly, how do you crown yourself? Oh, um, I want to say, um, uh, hold on. Queen Tori of Laugh-A-Lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. I love all the answers whenever I ask that last question because it's so varied. So, oh my goodness. I hope you have loved this interview as much as I have. 
if you ha want more information on all things Tori Hartman Chakra Wisdom Cards, go to ToriHartman.com. I will leave links in the show notes to where you can find her on the interwebs, where you can watch her true crime <laughs> like viral videos on YouTube and, and where you can learn more about the Chakra Wisdom Tarot. Tori, thank you so much for coming on The Princess and the Bee. I am so grateful to have you as a friend and fellow colleague in changing the world. Let's do this. As always, my fellow queens, own your throne, mind your business, and make it rain. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crownyourselfnow or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.